0: As you remember, May 18th and 19th, it's a Friday evening and Saturday to early afternoon. We are going to Eagle Rock Retreat Center in Eagle Rock, Missouri. Uh, The turnoff for it is uh, before we get to Roaring River uh, in Mark Twain National Forest, Uh, we will get detailed directions for everyone going ahead of time um, and other details. But there are sign-up sheets on some clipboards, on the information table before you leave, if you're planning on going. If you serve in any capacity of ministry at New Song, no matter whether you think it's great or small, or you uh, know that you want to serve in ministry in the future, great or small, this uh, trip is for you. It is not roughing it, but it is not going to the Hilton. We are going to be going and staying in cabins, and in in many instances it's going to be the ladies in one and the men in another because it is uh, twin beds. Um... They, the style of doing this is a national campground for the, uh, uh, for the Royal Rangers, which is a kind of like a, um, Boy Scouts, only Christian Boy Scouts. So, uh, but it is a nice, uh, where we're staying is actually newer cabins. They have a bathroom in them. It's better than the other area where it's like community bathrooms. So um, I can't remember how many in a room, but uh, just just we'll be bringing on linens. If you don't have it, then that's fine. We'll, we can come up with some. Uh, but I believe they did say it is a twin or full twins, twins. So it's one night. And uh, if you want to come earlier on Friday, I'm sure that by early afternoon I'll be out there and we'll be kind of exploring. the. It's 1,500 acres across Arkansas and Missouri and some early 1800s homesteads still on there that you can explore. And so we'll be doing a, maybe a little exploring during the day. Bonfire that night. If you have to miss Friday night, still come. Uh, on the sign-up sheet, you can choose what day and time you're coming. Um, Earlier, the better. On Saturday, uh, one reason we need to know is for meal planning. And there's not a fee; it's a suggested donation. For adults 18 and over, is $15. Uh, breakfast will more than likely be 8 or 8:30. We're still determining that, but um, please come. It'll be really focused on helping us to get the right mindset for the vision of new song and moving into our new <coughs> building and the opportunities we'll have to minister there. So. Um, Listen, if you're just not even sure that you're going to serve in any capacity in the future, you're still welcome. We'd love to have you come. It would be a nice time to, to be able to hear about the Ministry of New Song and Fellowship and be in a nice environment. It's really beautiful out there. So please come. Um, let's see, information table. Uh, so I didn't mention this first service. I forgot, even though these were up here, a reminder. If you remember, I challenged the whole church that if you invite enough people that don't already have a church home to come to New Song, and it, the first time we have a service completely full, like it, even if we don't have it full here, but we have enough people sitting in the foyer because sometimes people don't want to get right next to each other. If we have enough to fill the seats in the sanctuary, um, whoever brought the most people that day gets to shave my beard and stay off, okay? And we'll do it on Facebook in the service live. So anyway, these are invite cards. Can I get uh, maybe Ken, a couple people? Danny, you mind handing yeah. some out? Here, Ken, let me give you a few more. Um, We'll give you a few here, and there's more stacks. We have plenty of them. I think we have 10,000 of these. So uh, make sure you're inviting people uh, to come. And uh, the best way to to bring people to church is for you to invite them into your lives. In other words, um, build relationships with people who are not believers for them to see Christ in you. That's more important than get them to the church services for you to invest in them through your walk with the Lord. All right think, any other reminders? No? Okay, I looked at my wife. She's, I, things have been so busy lately, my mind, I, I've missed a couple of important appointments, and so she's now my reminder on everything. So, Well, we've been in a little mini-series the last three weeks um, on the Dung Chronicles. Uh, I just figured we'd pack this place out with uh, teenage boys because that is the favorite uh, subject of any kind of nasty bodily function. It, you know, boys... Boys like that. And coming up on Mother's Day, I thought it was fitting because mothers have to put up with that, right? And we talked about the fact of what's the difference between being vulgar and just being undignified. I may be getting a little undignified, and uh, everybody kind of expects that of me sometimes. But um, the, the, the thing is, is this series um, has, has helped us look at a passage dealing with uh, Jerusalem and the many gates that they had in Jerusalem. 11 gates, the Gate Beautiful, and the King's Gate, and many others. But there's one particular, the Dung Gate. It's one of the only ones that went right to where they did animal sacrifices. And part of that is just like a butcher shop, all the stuff you need to get rid of, right? It's going to stink. And then they took it out to the Valley of Gehenna. And we talked about how the Bible references hell like that, where the flame is always going, and the stench and the decay. And, and so that's brought us to this point. Well, today's message is re- uh, dumping waste for spiritual health. Or if you don't like to... Uh, You don't want to talk about dumping anything. You can say removing waste for spiritual health, whichever title you like best. But the Bible, in all seriousness, gives us instructions we need for every aspect of our life. God did not set up rules in the Bible to take your fun away. He set up rules in the Bible which are, are unchangeable laws of life, if you will, in the spiritual realm, that if you defy them will bring negative things to your life will bring destruction, will bring hurt. Uh, we've used the analogy so many times. You tell your child not to touch a hot stove. Why? Because it will burn them. Now, do they have knowledge about the stove before you teach them? Not unless they touch it without you tell them, right? It's always worse to get hurt to learn a lesson. And we find that from broken marriages, from broken anything, anything in our life that gets broken. If we can find God, God's principles that would teach us that if both parties involved in that hurt, had followed God's ways, the hurt would never have been there. But yet we'll still defy and try to push away from God's ways, almost like we like to be hurt, like we like the dung in our lives. So that's the premise of where we've been. But, but the teaching from God's word in many ways, it gives us straightforward commandments and general principles using parables and stories and real life events of people who lived long ago. It's just like in John 16, 13, it reveals the truth of God. Uh, truth of God, truth of God uh, and, and how he wants us to apply them to life. So I believe the Holy Spirit's given me this humorous approach, if you will, about the Dung Chronicles for this three-week mini-series leading up to Mother's Day and on Mother's Day. And um, I believe even though it's, it, it may be entertaining in a way for especially young boys, um, the truth is that we can learn from this about healthy relationships, because what we'll see is in this analogy between the dung gate, that health is not always about the just eating good foods. Health is always also about getting rid of the waste. And it's the same way in relationships and the same way God designed the church. Sometimes health comes from getting rid of the waste or the dung. But it's vital that we understand how the body works. If we don't understand how our body works... And then, then we get in trouble, right? Like the far cookies I shoved in my mouth as I was leaving the project late at night before dark last night when I knew I should have eaten dinner first, right? And then down the uh, several Gatorades that are supposed to be healthy for you, full of sugar, right? So by the time I get home, I'm going,
1: Ugh,
0: you know, <laughs> I should have eaten something else. And, and so it's important to know how, how our bodies function, to, to function properly. Many people either don't understand or refuse to practice spiritual directives to keep their spiritual life healthy. They fail to have healthy relationships with other believers or anyone else for that matter because these principles apply to all human relationships, but yet we reject them many times because sometimes it's almost like we like to live in our own dung. It's like a baby who gets upset when you change your diaper. You're like, I'm helping you. That stuff stinks. It's nasty. And they're just thinking it's warm and it's mine. Leave me alone, right? (laughs) The failure of relationships is one of the reasons that for many people, church is simply a place where religious services are conducted. You You know, church is not really church until you actually start walking life with other people. It's just a religious practice you have if you just come to church to come in and hear something and leave and don't ever get involved with people. Anybody can do that. I went through all of high school and I can probably think of maybe one or two people in school I considered friends. I, I had this problem where where I could just go into a big organization of people and I could just kind of disappear in the crowd. Now some of you are laughing thinking you're you're always trying to be in the middle of everything and be the clown and all this but there was a time that even when I was being clown, though, I could just kind of disappear. I had my friends in my youth group, but when I went to school, the reason was is because even though I had been baptized by the Holy Spirit, and at one time he couldn't shut me up about the Lord, I did get to a point again where I didn't want people to know my dad was a minister. I didn't want to know that part of my life. I didn't want the pressure of having to live that out before them. And that's many times what keeps you quiet when you're around the workplace. Because of the pressure, everybody else that's not living for the Lord, you want to you silence that because then the expectation to live it out. And so many people, the, their failure in relationships in the church, is the reason for that is because they, they have failed in areas of life and the shame keeps them from getting any further involved because they don't want to be any more shamed than they already are of their struggles. But we need to answer this question, how is the body of Christ supposed to function? To be healthy. Like the human body, it was designed to receive nourishment. Just like today from the worship and from the word. To use that that sustenance for for growth and health. Just like we do here. The Bible says that we're here to be built up and be admonished, to be encouraged. Sometimes through church, there's correction. (laughs) Discipline. And then lastly, to cleanse itself from impurities. That were created from normal, healthy process of digest- digestion. See, teenage boys like to talk about poop, especially preteen boys, right? And we all like, oh come on, not at the dinner table, not here, not there. Truth is, everybody does it, right? I mean, I'm paying, we're paying ninety bucks a month for a porta potty out at the property. I mean, if not, why? You know, but nobody talks about it. You don't mind saying I'm going to porta potty? You just don't <laughs> want to say what you're doing in there, right? You don't want anybody to hear it to talk about it, right? <laughs> to have any kind of sense of uh, what's going on in there, right? It's hush hush. The truth is, we all deal with it, and actually, it's one of the healthy parts of our life. because if you don't do that, something unhealthy's coming, <laughs> right Amen. so so I gave myself a little break with that and and it's a little different this message today because in first service. I, I had to do exactly what I'm doing now only when you're repeating it to a different group of people and this is directed really at me it's a little strange for me to do this again because um, I had a chance to get some of the emotion out over it but um, what I'm going to do this in this moment is maybe not typical for some. Some would say a pastor shouldn't always admit his mistakes from people they lose respect for him But but I'm going to tell you that I have to confess sin to you this morning because I have let something creep in my life that has been a stronghold before, and, and I, I, I just didn't know until it, it came up. And I could have do all these things blame like, "Oh, but this brother or sister, they pulled me into it." Or, or, or it's because of the stresses in my life, and some of you' have given me a break, you know oh your're stress pastor because of this. Some of you are going to know exactly the sin when I tell you, but the sin has been that I love every single person in here. Some of you I don't know very well, and so you're like, that's weird. Well, Jesus helps us love people. But I mean, some of you, I, I know you well enough to, I really love you. I really do. And, and there may not be anybody in here that this fits. Uh, as, but the problem is, I've let frustration and anger cause me to be frustrated and angry with people. Not always outside, but inside. And it's still a sin, whether it's inside or outside. I've also allowed myself to talk negatively about other people with other people. And it's gossip and it's sin. You, you, you see, um, we call it venting. And we'll, we'll say venting's healthy. And we'll excuse it. And we'll laugh about it. And we'll joke about it. But the truth is, um, I, can't, I can't without sinning come to Ken and say, Ken, you know, Jen's really annoying me. She's, I'm telling you, I, I think God's going to deal harshly with her. I mean, lightning's going to strike her. And talk to him about that. if I haven't first come to Jen and said, Jen, you're frustrating me. And, and I don't know what's going on, but we need to resolve this. And, here, and here's where the rubber meets the road. I, I was preparing for this message. And I got more and more convicted, the more. And this was planned before this week, and this week I got tested the hardest in it. Every stinking time, and I wanted to not preach this message, but I'd already announced the series. And this, this gentleman that wrote this, because I, I borrowed some sermons I take pieces from. I may look at, read sermons. This one, I mean, I didn't change hardly anything. I was preaching somebody else's sermon. Uh, Dr. Howard Morgan gave permission to use his sermon. I don't even know Dr. Howard Morgan. And, and I, I decided not to change this message. So I'm not even doing this message because of this week. But I'm doing this message and it certainly applies to this last weekend, well on beyond. Because how many know that when you have something that keeps coming up as sin in your life, it didn't happen just last week. It's been there. Slowly but surely building. And so I confess before you, and I ask for forgiveness, whether you've been a recipient or not. Because we can all tell when someone, they may love us. And how many knows you get frustrated most with the people you love? They're the ones that get under your skin the most. You got most to lose. You've invested the most, so it's it's high stakes. But some of you might have seen you. Know, I'm smiling, but you're like, the smile's there, but the light's not on. You know, I can tell something's off. And I've let whether you want to, ex- I want to give excuse myself with a project, or whatever it is, I've let that, I've let that be an excuse. But the truth is, it's sin. And we're going to stop for a moment right here, and I'm going to say this, and it's directed at me. But if it fits, if the shoe fits, wear it. If you talk negatively about another person without them there in a heart of trying to reconcile with them, it's sin and it's wrong. If you make the decision to talk negatively about anyone, brother and sister of Christ or otherwise, with them not there, it's sin. And you made the conscious decision to go against God's word and you will be held accountable for that. And I will be held accountable for that. And as I prepared for this message and started reading over it again last night, I, I, and then this morning, early this morning, I, I started to break inside, and I realized I'm guilty of just willingly sinning. As if there's no real big consequence. After we just preached a sermon about the flames of hell and preached about what the consequence is, turning from God. Do you understand the gravity of that when we as brothers of Christ who profess to be Christians willingly and openly Slay somebody with our words, whether we know them or not. And then excuse it in some way about pressures or this or that. But the Bible says it's wrong. And it's like this canker sore on your lips that festers and festers until your lips fall off. So I'm going to tell you this. This is what I believe has been the fruit of me allowing that sin in my life. There's been times when people will talk very harshly to me when I think I've only been kind. I think, where in the world is that coming from? Oh, well, Pastor CJ, that's just life. Some people are harsh. Well, you know, I believe we set ourselves up sometimes for that because I'll speak the truth about other things and then let myself slip into this sin. And when people see both of those, it doesn't make sense. And so the power of my words diminish even if I'm speaking the word of God because it's who it's coming from. It's like the drug dealer preaching at people about not doing drugs, right? Or, or, the, or the drug dealer preaching at people for not sitting somewhere else. It's like, dude, you're openly, willingly doing something that's harming people, and that's against God's word. So how can, you, how can you even say that? And I feel such a conviction to protect the unity of the body here in this church that I will go before you and make a fool of myself I have to embarrass myself and humble myself and say I'm guilty and I need to be forgiven so I need your help because I've gotten pulled into conversations no see that's that's the sinful nature too I got pulled in see how that terminology happens so quick I've chosen to entertain conversation where someone has been whether right or wrong and that's the thing you can be right and still be wrong anybody know that you can be right as the day is long and you still be wrong because of the way you approached it. So I need your help. If you talk negatively about somebody around me, it's like as if I have a drug problem and you just hand me a bag of drugs. And that's what you're doing to my spiritual well-being. So I've asked Ken, I've asked some of my closest, I said, stop me. If you hear me start to just kind of vent, it can be as silly as, why do they put those concrete forms that way? They know, You know what I mean? It's, it's not edifying, it's not helping, it doesn't change what's already happened. All it is, is starting to pick at the character, starting to slay the character of a brother and sister of Christ or someone who God has charged me with to love and be compassionate towards and draw them into Christ. And I'm just damaging my authority as a believer in my testimony. So see, it's real quiet here and I understand because this is hard for me. And I won't go into detail, but I tell you this week was one of the hardest I've had. I keep saying that, it was some of you know because you're there, and it was, because I had to deal with some things that, that crushed me. I, I spent a little time on a ladder while Ken was there, and my wife watched me just ball like a baby. And God's breaking me down. He's, he's trying to purify me, and that's why I pray for the whole church. We cannot take these things lightly, church, because here's the deal. We pay for it in so many ways we don't even realize it's like my kids, if my kids, if I'm always on them and hounding them and just keeping the thumb on them, and I never build them up, I never build them up, and I never give them the encouragement to do better, but I'm always pointing out their, their wrongdoings, then pretty soon they get selective hearing. Because it's like the little boy quiets wolf. You just get numb to it. You just, yeah, 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 I never do anything right. I've made that mistake and seen the fruit of it, and then I had to turn it. It's so hard to turn and correct it. Moms and dads, we create most of our own problems with our kids when they're young because we are training them. And when we train them that, hey, we'll say one thing and do another, or we'll just harp on our favorite sin or whatever, but then they can see in our life it doesn't match up to God's word in other areas, we might as well be a clanging gong and a resounding cymbal. They don't hear a word we say after that. And nor should they. We can complain about leaders all we want that say one thing and do another. But are we leading the same way in our homes? It's life or death for our younger generation coming up. The church will either thrive. The church will never die. God will always survive the church. But, but our generations, our people, our kids will live or die in their relationship with the Lord off of what they see us live out. Here's, here's the thing. If you don't use the porta potty, they have a term for that. If it goes on long enough, it's called constipation. And what's happening is is you're keeping toxins in that need to be expelled. And sooner or later it has a physiological reaction that you cannot control and you either what, Danny, you either you either die or you get sick enough you wish you were dead. And the doctor has to give you a laxative. And I believe sometimes we need a spiritual laxative to just say, I've, let, I've kept stuff in that God never intended me to keep and it's building up and I'm getting septic. I'm getting toxic. And the only way to do that is let the con- conviction of the Holy Spirit finally get you honest and get rid of the pride and say, I'm ready to say, I'm just wrong. One of the most powerful things I think I ever say to my kids is, I'm sorry, I messed up. Will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? I was too harsh to you, son. Will you forgive me? Yeah, dad. Will you pray with me that God helps me? Brings tears to my eyes because, listen, generation after generation, we should be praying, God, help us get better, right? And we all know there's a generation where saying you're sorry wasn't the typical. It doesn't mean it was right. It just means we we need to go to the Lord and say, help us do better for the next generation. Ephesians 4.16 says, From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So as much as what we take in, what we watch, what we listen to, uh, the relationships we have, all that taken in either grows our spiritual body stronger or we get septic because we hang on to the things we shouldn't have. There's people in my life I've had to separate my relationship with, who were believers, but they chose to continue in a sin that was maybe a stronghold for me, like like getting frustrated and talking negatively about somebody. If, if that keeps happening, eventually you have to separate yourself because that relationship is toxic for you. And you have to get away from it. Our problem is that many times we don't know how to maintain healthy working relationships that allow the head to supply us with the nutrition we need. There is something interesting about how our bodies work. Would you, would you think that your body would reject a poison? If you were given poison, would your body try to reject that? I think most of us would say our immune system would. Do you know, in, in biological warfare, their goal is to try to make a poison that you don't detect. Now, if if you don't detect it, then why wouldn't your body naturally? Let me tell you a, a little story that maybe, I, I guess, first service, I thought I'd told before, but I hadn't. Back when we lived in Bella Vista, a little house, um, you know, we never drink just from the milk jug. I kind of germaphobe, don't do it. But if there's just a little bit left, you know, I get the king of the castle mentality. He's like, yeah, just take my gauntlet, you know. And one time I go to the fridge and Jen had bought it. It wasn't that old, but apparently... It had already been close to getting bad before we bought it, and so the bottom I didn't know had curdled so bad it was, like, thick. And I went over to the fridge, like, ah, oh, nice, hot day, good, cool glass, of, or good uh, jug of milk, you know, just grabbed that plastic container and, Ugh! and I mean, I don't even think it hit my throat <laughs> before this involuntary reaction just went, and I went to gagging so hard. I'm just, like, to the bathroom, Ugh! Ugh! I'm over the toilet, my head in the toilet just, Red face, veins popping. The kids are younger. They're crying, thinking daddy's dying. Jen's like, what's going on? Like I can answer. You know, she's what's going on, honey? What's going on? You know, on and on. I thought I was dying. It felt like somebody, like I swallowed a thousand fish hooks and somebody was, big muscle man was yanking on them. You know, it was, it was terrible. And I was like, to this day, it's like sometimes if the milk's been there, I was like, honey, will you smell this before I drink it? involuntary, I didn't make the decision, it wasn't just the thought about it, it literally made me do that, but why would my body not do that every time, like a poison, there's another time, Ken and and a friend of ours, Mickey, we went over to what used to be the Mexican place on the end, uh, different owners there, and I loved it, they had these, uh, they're real gorditas, like they were a pita that was fried with, uh, you got six or seven different kinds of meat you could choose from, and they're out of the two that I wanted, that I normally get. So I just picked one that I thought was fish because I thought that would be nice. I'll try it like a fish taco. I'll try that. And they're talking. We're all talking. I'm eating it. And it reminded me of the first time I tried calamari. I don't think it was done real good. It was you know, squid and it was squishy and kind of like chewy and didn't really care for the texture and flavor and I was eating it and everything, you know, I thought, well, I'm hungry. I'm going to get down so I'm eating. And, and uh, so we're talking and we get toward the end I said, you know, I've had those a lot or, or somebody said, how do you like yours? And I said, well. Um, I didn't really care for it. I said, actually, the is kind of, I said, that was the worst tasting fish I've ever had. And Mickey goes, oh, pastor, that wasn't fish. I said, what? He said, no, what's it? What's tripe. Right. Tripe. I thought, I was thinking, I know Spanish enough. I was like, what? And, he, and Ken, being the friend that he is, the <laughs> spiritual giant that he is, decides, hey, this is a good time to pull up the worst picture of tripe you could find before it's cooked on the internet and show it to me. And he shows it to me, and immediately, and the poor little Hispanic guy that was right there in the corner by the bathroom eating, I'm running to the bathroom. (laughs) I mean, that didn't happen to me a lot. I have a strong stomach. But that guy had to listen to all that. And here's the thing. I ate it. I didn't react that way until he showed me the picture. And they make poisons where you don't detect them. You just die. And so I realized that there's literally a connection between mentally... What we realize is bad for us, and physically. Because there are people who, who will eat things that would make us gag, right, in other countries. When I was in Bible school, we had a missionary that he liked to tell all the stories about going to little tribes in Latin American countries. He told me about this stuff where the women chew up corn, the older women chew it up with saliva, and spit it in a bucket and let it ferment, and they drink that. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> Why didn't it cause that reaction to them? It's conditioning, right? It's conditioning. There's a direct tie between what we think is involuntary reaction and really it's, it's a conditioning of our mind. And sin's the same way because what happens is as we start letting one sin kind of maturate and ferment and all and then we start thinking, well, you know, that didn't feel so good the first time. I kind of had this little resistance to it and and then but you know I can learn to like this and, and then pretty soon other people are doing it. it's like well it must be good they're doing it and I like them or I respect them and they're doing it and, and they keep doing it and next thing you know you're caught into it, right? That's the word you use. I caught up got caught up into it. And you willingly made a decision to, to to be conditioned to it. And whether it's drugs or alcohol or gossip or slandering people or whatever it is, it's all sin, but it's it's not just like it started happening last week. Many times it's because we've let ourselves be conditioned to it to where it's just the way we think life is. And we could excuse it by saying we vent or because the pressures in our life or we can make all kinds of excuse. It doesn't change that sin and it's harmful. The, the breakthrough for your life is those very things. The breakthrough for your spiritual life are those very things that you need to take to the porta potty, the spiritual porta potty and eject them. And that's why I had to finally say, I'm going to the spiritual fortify. Ken, next time you hear me start to say anything negative, and it may not even be, it's about somebody I love. Maybe I'm just frustrated. It, you know, I could say it's a brumet thing. Brummits get frustrated easy. You know, whatever. Make excuses. It doesn't matter. It's something in my life that God never intended for me to have, for me to have a health, healthy spiritual life and to work towards being perfected. Even though I'll never be perfected here, the Apostle Paul said, why do I always do the things I shouldn't do, and I can't seem to do the things I should? Paul understood that while I know I can't be perfected here, my role for God, what he wants for me, is to never quit trying to be perfected. That one day, when I reach heaven, he can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You endured. You didn't just endure. You fought. You fought the good fight. You ran the race like a champ. I mean, everybody else took the easy way and just drank the sin like it's a soothing cup of coffee and just said, that's the way it is. Everybody's doing it. But God's called me to greater things than that. And my heart beats, apart from being a pastor, I just want you to know the very raw core of me, I have all kinds of thoughts like you do. I, I, every day, well, we were worshiping in first service and second service. If I shared everything God was downloading to me, I'd never get through it in hours and hours and hours. We sing one song, and I'm thinking, oh, man, that goes back to this week. You know, when I had this rough situation where I'm bawling like a baby on a ladder because I dealt with something difficult, I turned the worship music on, and I just got lost in it. I'm like, Lord, just saturate me. Just break me. Because no matter what, even as close as they are, no matter if they're your family members or who it is that you're feeling that hurt from, you can't wallow in it. You've got to immediately fight and say, I can't change them only God can, but I can change. I can let myself be changed. It's a decision. Am I going to rid myself of that, or am I going to keep on going like that? And what the shame is, the enemy, with God God allowing you to make your own decisions, you, you end up allowing the enemy to start pulling the, the chairs out from under you, pulling everything stable. You know, it might be a marriage. It might be this or that. It just keeps getting yanked out from under you. And sometimes we're hard-headed. We keep going saying, oh, but I, I'm used to doing this sin, and it. And, and everybody, you know, it's, it's hard. You've got to understand it's hard. And we'll keep going and going until finally we get to that lowest, lowest point. And we're so sick of ourselves and our life that we say, I need help. And some people either turn to something worse or they turn to end in their life or they say, you know what, I finally get it. God doesn't want me to touch the hot stove just like a good daddy would do. He wants me to quit touching the hot stove because all it's doing is hurting me and anybody else that does it with me. So here in a moment, we're going to take communion. But I want to do an altar call, if you can if you will, in a little different style and fashion. In fact, Nathan, would you just cut the lights down? I'm going to turn around because I need to raise my hands, both hands on this one. I need the Lord's help. And I don't want you to even think for a moment this is about me trying to figure out who in the church has my same problems. But we're going to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And if, if God has convicted you, if the Holy Spirit has convicted you through the word today, that, that whether it's talking negatively about somebody or Uh, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is that you have just chosen to turn from God's word and continue in and you know it's bringing damage to your spiritual health it's time to dump that spiritual waste to stay healthy when we come together as a body of believers it's actually healthy for us to deal with problems some churches will overlook it and everybody just stays in their separate lives and we never mix because that's easier but the truth is we're supposed to hash those things out get it done, dump the waste so we can be healthy as a body. And that's what this moment is. Before we take communion and remember what Jesus did on the cross for us to rid it of those sins, that's what we're going to take a moment and we're going to give it to God. And I want you to be able to walk out of here today with the hope that with His help you'll be able to squash that eventually. You may slip. Tomorrow, I mean, I've had times where I prayed and I had one morning I prayed, God help me not to get upset or get uh, any difficulty just let me love on people and us all be loving and that was the worst day why god it's because i'm warring in the spirit and i'm not going to let the enemy take me captive one day i'm going to be celebrating the victory in the war at the king's table and i'm going to be shouting praise at every time the enemy tried to knock me down and it may take me a couple times but God got me back up on my feet gave me the strength and the power to charge forward. So we're going to bow our heads right now, close our eyes. I'm turning my back, and I'm facing the same direction you are, and I'm raising both my hands saying, God, I repent. God, I have willingly been sinning in my life, and I don't want to excuse it anymore. I don't need excuses. I know what the truth is by your word, and I've sinned. I've let frustration and I've let excuses because of busyness or stresses I've excused myself in sinning and and either talking negatively or or having negative thoughts and Jesus I just ask that you would help me Lord every moment help me to separate myself from that sin help me to, to be separate Lord I don't want that that to be like a canker sore on my lips that fester to the point that I lose my, my voice with my children, with my family, that I lose my ability to speak the power of your word with, with authority, Lord. I want to protect the anointing that you've given me, Lord. I want to protect this, this opportunity to serve you with excellence. I want to be perfected one day. God, I know that if I reach heaven, I'll be perfected. But here, I know I'll never be, but God, I don't want to quit trying. Lord, with your help and with your power, Lord, like the Apostle Paul, to live a life of surrender, not not for mission, not not about what I can get away with, but what I can give up for the cause of Christ. Jesus, so I raise both hands and I say, Lord, I surrender, and I need your help. I repent, and I want to turn from my wicked ways. In Jesus' name. You can lower your hands. I can have those that are going to help us with communion come forward and loaves of bread, and people broke them off, and all the German folks were probably like, eh, you know, because they were having a meal. It was the last supper. The importance is on doing it in remembrance. He said, in remembrance of me. Every time you do this, thank me. And so I thought very, uh, Nathan mentioned yesterday about doing communion just off the cuff, and I said, yeah, and then I didn't even realize how, how the Lord put that as heart, because perfect today on a day when we're talking about needing forgiveness, offering forgiveness, because really, before we take this, we should examine our hearts and we should say, am I harboring things? Am I, am I willingly sinning and then saying, I remember what Jesus did for me? Right? But, you know, we do this in church services, but this isn't just about doing it as a church service. You get together with brothers and sisters of Christ around the table and we should do this in remembrance of Him. But the gravity of what this represents I remember in Bible college I was really zealous and I thought about doing a 40-day fast and felt whether it was or not felt led to do it and about 20 some days into it I mean it was water I was doing hardcore like more than they usually recommend and I wasn't hallucinating yet that came later <laughs> but um late at night I felt like doing communion and um since I hadn't taken anything but water I was kind of struggling should I do it it or not and, I had to go downstairs, they locked the doors, Bible college, they had curfew, and they had a vending machine so I could get some crackers and Hawaiian punch, you know, it takes a little bit of the spiritual significance out when you got the little spiky-haired Hawaiian punch guy on, on the can, but um, I took out of the room, and, and in all seriousness, I just was breaking before the Lord, and, and in a moment, it just felt like I was watching the crucifixion, not like I hadn't seen Passion of the Christ yet, so I didn't have those images, but it's just vividly, I started thinking about the gravity of what he went through for my sin. And then I came to the part where I took the bread and I took the cup and I couldn't swallow. I tried the hardest I could. I even went and got some water. I could not get it down. And I just felt like in that moment, maybe the Lord was saying, you're not worthy. You know, I knew that wasn't it. But it just, it was so spiritually impactful to me that that it, there, there's a lot of weight to this. And while we don't believe this really becomes a blood when you drink it or this comes bread, we just know it's a uh, juice and uh, a little cracker but it's what we're remembering that's important. So um, I just say, take a moment, and if you still are harboring anything against anyone or need forgiveness, that um, maybe you can't talk to them right this moment before you take this cup, but you can say in your heart that you're going to, before the Lord, God, I will make that right uh, with that individual. Lord, we just come to you right now and, and make our commitments, Lord, to, to bring healing to relationships, to offer forgiveness and ask for forgiveness, Lord, where, where we've sinned. Or been sinned against. And we take this in remembrance of you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the bread and the cup together.
1: Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Just giving thanks. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We praise you.
1: In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, I love you and God bless you right before you dismiss. Remember the sign up sheet for the ministry thing? Also, anybody able-bodied, uh, I won't go into all the details. We've got a hard push tomorrow to get a few things done ahead of the drywallers. They worked on Saturday, but finishers are coming on Tuesday to start on what's done. So we've got some drywall still to finish, And then we're setting some concrete forms to pour the last bit of sidewalk for Tuesday morning. So hopefully i going to have concrete early Tuesday morning. I have to head out of town right after. Um, and then I'll, for a minister's meeting tomorrow, actually, evening as well. So tomorrow during the day, we're going to be finishing up. We already got a good start on it, so just need a little bit of help on that. And then Tuesday morning, if you have any experience or can help with the concrete pour, that's awesome. Uh, Otherwise, need help with drywall. Love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.